So what we're going to do today is we're going to continue in our journey through Matthew. Um, so if you will, open up to Matthew chapter 13. <clears throat> and I want to look at this briefly with you this morning. It is a passage that most of you guys have heard if you grew up in church several times. Um, it, it's the parable of the sower and the seeds. And again, if you're a guest with us, um, we don't just jump around from text to text. Um, we go straight through books of the Bible. And so this is where we find ourselves um, here in this passage. And so we're going to jump just straight into that. So again, this, this parable of the seeds, you, you've heard it in several ways. Hopefully as we go through it, maybe we'll look at it from a different perspective and as a kickstart to the new year as a challenge. I, I think it's going to leave us with an application that's very pointed, very simple, very clear. There's a lot of in-depth that you could go into in this passage. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right up front, there's going to be some of you who are going to get very uncomfortable with the portion of this passage because you've just never heard it before. Um, and when we get to that, I'm actually going to skip over it and divert you to something else, um, but not skipping over it in the sense of not teaching it. Um, but it's a very uncomfortable portion. But there's also some very um, clear teaching for us to be guided by through this. So kickstart 2020, what would our purpose be? I think we can see it in this. So Jesus begins, and we'll just go straight through the text. Matthew chapter 13 it begins with this way. It says, um, that same day Jesus went out of his house and sat beside the sea. Um, so that same day refers to what we just went over last week. It's the same day that Jesus said, I want you to cherish my presence over my rewards. Y'all remember this from last week, right? He said, um, I want you to cherish worship over what I can offer you. I want you to cherish being in my midst rather than what you hope to get from me. That's what all of chapter 12 was talking about. Basically, if you weren't here last week, you can go listen to it on the website. <clears throat> Jesus said to them this, your level of joy in 2020, your personal level of joy is directly related to your proximity with Christ now. That's where he went last week. So that same day that he said all those things, it's where we're at, that same day, verse 2, he went and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him. So he got into a boat, and he sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. So just as a reminder, once again, as we've seen, this has been the theme all the way through the Gospel of Matthew. The whole theme of the Gospel of Matthew is Jesus' teachings. They're astonished at Jesus' teachings. And so that's what the whole book of Matthew is wrapped around. They're shocked, if you remember back in chapter 7. Jesus taught them certain things, and the crowd said this. They said, we were astonished by his teaching. So there we get it again. So they're sitting around, and they've got in a boat, and they sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. Verse 3. And he told them many things. Watch this. This is key. If you underline your Bible, underline this. If you don't underline your Bible, again, don't do it. Um, he said he told them many things in parables. Now, this is key because this is the first time that Jesus has taught in parables. So he's going to switch it on them. He's teaching them very clearly, very pointed, very bulleted, very numeric. And now all of a sudden, it's no longer that way. It's now parables. This is going to shock the disciples. So let's look at this. And so he told them many things in parables, saying, here we go. A sower went out to sow. Verse 4. And he sowed some seeds, and as he did, some of the seeds fell along the path. And the birds came 
and they devoured them. Now, to understand this text, please take off your 2020 gospel lenses because it's very easy for us to look retrospectively and go, oh, I, we, we know exactly what he's talking about. We already know. You, you've got to, if you want to understand this, you've got to understand it the way that the first century Jews understood this. So take away the gospel lens that you have and just try to hear what Jesus is saying as to why this would be confusing. Already in your brains, I can see it on your faces. You're going, already know what's happening with these seeds. No, you don't. No, you don't. Not today. Okay? Take that away if you really want to understand. Hear as they heard it. Seed number one. Jesus is teaching. He's been doing astonishing teachings, and now all of a sudden, he's talking about agriculture. Okay? So this guy went out, and he sowed some seeds, and some fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. So the Jews would have said, okay, I got it. I understand that. A guy threw some seeds out, and it was on a trampled walkway. Verse 5 and 6. And then other seeds that he threw fell among rocky ground, where they didn't have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had not root, they writhered away. So the Jew would have heard that and said, okay, we got it. You're telling us a story about a gardener who has really bad aim. He throws some seeds, it lands on a walkway, and now all of a sudden he's hit rocks with the other seeds. Jesus, what are you talking about? Okay. He keeps going. Verse 7. Other seeds that he threw out fell among thorns, to which everybody at this point is like, Jesus, <laughs> there needs to be a different sower. What are you talking about? He throws more seeds that throws among thorns. And the thorns grew up, and they choked them out. Okay, so a sower walks out. He throws seeds. Some hits rocks. Some hits rocky soil. And some hits thicket. Jesus, what are you saying? Now, are you starting to hear it like a Jew would hear it? Okay, they're going, what is he talking about? Okay, let's keep going. Jesus, this isn't your brightest of all lessons. Now let's get to verse 8. Other seeds fell on good soil, and producing grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So the climax of this story, these people have gathered around Jesus in a boat, He's sitting there, they're on the shore, big crowd sitting around, and all he has told them is, there's a gardener, he threw it out, some was on a pathway, threw it out, some was on a rock, threw it out, some was on a thorn, threw it out, some landed in good soil, and it grew. And everybody would look at Jesus like you're looking at me right now going, well, duh. That's the way gardening works. Everybody knows that. Seeds in good soil are going to grow. That doesn't make any sense, Jesus. That's not very astonishing. And so at this point, there's probably a big crew of them going, whew, Jesus is not really ticking on all cylinders. Let's go listen to old Rabbi Goldstein over here, and let's, let's go hear what he has to say. I picked the, the, the biggest Jewish name I could come up with, right? So, so that's kind of what's going on. Now does it make a little more sense? Take away your gospel lenses. We're to, Jesus is going to speak to that, okay? So here we go. So we get to this, and we're wondering, okay, why is Jesus repeating himself? Because then verse 9, he goes on to say, after he tells this story, he who has ears, let him hear. This is big, and this is what they don't get. Because what Jesus is squarely saying to them is everybody within sight of me has ears, unless there's an anomaly, okay? Which could be the case. 
Everybody has ears, but not everybody has ears to hear. So he's telling them these parables, and it's kind of tripping up everybody. No, nobody knows what's going on. Then some people do. Somebody's got a vague idea, and he keeps repeating this phrase. He who has ears, let him hear. And here's what he goes on to say. Verse 10. So then the disciples came, and they said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And you can almost hear at this moment, Jesus, whoa, 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 whoa. We were, graining, we were gaining a posse. We were gaining a crowd. People were coming. We were beginning to fill the arena up. And now all of a sudden you switched it. Like everybody was astonished at what you had to say. And Jesus, now nobody even knows what you're talking about. Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus, go back to the way you did it before. Do it on PowerPoint. Do it, lay it out like you did before. Don't do this parable thing. Do you hear what they're saying? They're confused by this. So even the disciples are shocked at this abrupt change in teaching. In verse 11, let's see what Jesus says. In verse 11, Jesus says, And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. So right here squarely, we have a grand, clear theological teaching. And that theological teaching is simply this, that it is truly the Spirit's role, sovereignly, to both lock and to unlock the knowledge of salvation to those who hear and don't hear. It's a powerful lesson. Like how many of you have ran across that when you've heard the sower and the seeds? But that's exactly what Jesus says. He says, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. He says it's the Spirit's role in both freeing and binding. It's the Spirit's role in forgiving and condemning. It's the Spirit's role in both healing and also causing blindness. It's the Spirit's role. So I want to say two things real quick, because again, I don't want to jump too deep into this. I would charge you, because some of you really want me to go there. Like Some of you are like, go, Troy, just go. <clears throat> go to the website. We've addressed this passage already twice throughout the Bible. Mark chapter 4, you can go listen to a sermon where we went in-depth on this passage. And then also John chapter 12. And John, John actually says it this way. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, speaking of unrepentant, wicked people. So if you want to go theologically deep, you can go listen to those sermons. They're there on the website. But clearly two things Jesus is saying here. Number one, it is absolutely true that there has never been a person who wanted to know the saving work of the Lord that couldn't know. There's never been a person who wanted to know that couldn't know. That's true. That's what he's saying here. But he's also saying it's equally true that God is just in concealing the truth from those he chooses to conceal that truth from. Now some of you, when I said that aloud, you did this because I saw you. I don't, I don't like that. Number one, don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. He said it. Okay. 
And then number two, there's a deep reason he does this. And the whole point he's doing this is to say, listen, disciples, the reason that I'm teaching in parables is because if you understand what I'm saying, your ears have been opened and that should cause you to worship greatly. Put your lenses back on. You ready? Put your lenses, your gospel lenses back on. If you said at the beginning of the sermon, Troy, I already see what he's saying. It shouldn't cause you to puff up and go, yeah, look at me. I know the Bible. It should cause you to go, whoa, thank you, Lord, for opening my eyes to be able to see the great truths of your gospel. It's him going, you see it not because of you. You see it because of me. You see it not because you are worthy. You see it because I planted the seed in deep soil for you. You see it because the seed that was planted in you didn't cause up growth because somehow you tilled your soul a little deeper or somehow you removed the rocks or somehow you removed the thorns out of your heart. None of that is true. He's saying if you see these truths, it's because I cultivated your soul for you because you wouldn't cultivate it and you couldn't cultivate it and I caused growth in you. It's reason to worship. That's why he's saying this. So he keeps on going by saying this. Verse 12. For the one who has, more will be given. And he'll have it abundantly. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says this. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For the people's hearts have grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they've closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. I would heal them. Verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. What a great reminder as you kick off 2020, if you find yourself understanding the person and work of Christ, you are of the blessed. I didn't say you were of the perfect. You're not of the perfect. You know how I know that? Because none of us are of the perfect. But if you see your eyes have been opened, it's you're blessed. You should walk in that and receive that. And verse 17 goes on to say this. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see. And to hear what you hear and did not hear. In other words, Jesus is saying this. My threefold purpose, and it will be on the screen. My threefold purpose in telling through parables or teaching through parables is this. Number one. To indeed hide the gospel treasure to those who are indifferent to the gospel. That's reason number one. He says that. Reason number two, my purpose to teach in parables is this. Is to indeed reveal eternal healing and salvation to those who really want to see me for who I am. So that's the outflow. And then my third purpose in this is to cause those who have open eyes... To rejoice. To rejoice. So my question to you is simple. Do you find yourself rejoicing that the gospel 
has been revealed to you if you're a believer? Or is church just kind of a, yeah, okay, it's a cultural thing, do the thing, cultural checklist, blah, blah, blah. Or does it elate something within you? Does it elate, ignite, I think is the word I was trying to use. Does it ignite something in you? Does it, does it astonish you that your eyes have been opened? And that's what he's encouraging with us with is, Jesus, if your eyes have been opened, reach down to touch you and open your heart to see that which he didn't have to open your heart to see. It's reason to worship. And it's also reason to share the gospel, which we'll get to in just a moment. So if you're a follower, rejoice. I'll never forget in my life, November 19th, 1995. And I only tell you this story so that you'll relive your own story. So please, forget my story and relive your own story of salvation. But maybe just to, as an illustration of what this passage is saying... November 19th, 1995, Westwood Baptist Church. Again, I have no idea what this pastor preached on. Zero, none. Like you right now with the glass glaze over your eyes, I had no idea what he was saying, okay? <clears throat> I think that Sunday he was actually talking about the Titanic or something. Okay, I digress. I had heard the gospel all my life. Uh, my father is here this morning. Uh, my mother is here this morning. Um, welcome them to Safe Haven. Hey, Mom Dad. Um, these guys faithfully labored and shared the gospel with me all my life from baby up heard it a million times doubly so probably two million because my dad is a pastor and so <laughs> I probably heard him preach this passage several times Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night we were some of those people okay every time the doors were opened even on Friday night skate night y'all remember that at the churches okay I, I, well, we were there Heard it all my life. But all of a sudden, on November 19th, 1995, something clicked. And it opened my eyes to reveal that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And it didn't come through flowery words. It didn't come through a story about somebody having a wreck and then somebody going, and you could die in a car wreck on the way home, so give your life to the Lord. It didn't come in a judgment house where they literally try to scare the hell out of you. It didn't come in somebody knocking on my door. It didn't come through a track. It didn't come through. Any, and those things may be true in your life. Um, as Tyler shares, it didn't come through a one-legged evangelist. Um, Bo Shedd, I don't know if you guys know Bo Shedd. He shared an office, anyway, at Gardendale with me. Um, it didn't come through Billy Graham. It, didn't, it came through the Spirit reaching down on a Sunday morning, November 19th, 1995, when I was sitting in the back row of the top of the balcony trying to hide like some of you are trying to hide right now, except we don't have a balcony, so you're just trying to hide behind the person in front of you, right? It didn't matter. And the Spirit reached down and said, today, eyes open, bam. And what do I do? In that moment, I can't go, I finally learned enough to enlighten myself. I finally prayed the right prayer. I finally walked the aisle. No, 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 none of that. Jesus says, I'm going to reach down and touch you, and nobody gets the glory but me for opening your eyes. And that I will never forget. I can't even remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. But that, I'll never forget. When were your eyes opened? 
And, and don't hear me say it had to be one point in time where you got to be able to rattle the date out and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Julie Beth tells her testimony of, I don't really know when the Lord opened my eyes. It was through a process. That's fine. But if you find yourself of the believing today, rejoice and worship the Lord who opened your eyes when he did not have to. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's why he's telling the story of the parable and the seeds. You ever heard that before? Let's keep going. Let's wrap it up. Verse 18. So they're confused. Why'd you tell that crazy story about agriculture, Jesus? <laughs> we have no idea what you're doing. Why are you teaching in parables? He said, here's the deep reason why. But just because you want to know, I'm also going to tell you what the parable means. So he wraps it up by doing that, verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand that the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart, this is what was sown along the path. Simple point. Satan is active, Satan is real, and Satan will do anything to snatch the gospel out of your ears. So if you're hearing me today, and you're hearing the gospel, and you're hearing Charlie Brown like wah, 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 it's something trying to steal it from your ears. Satan's real. He's active. He snatches away. That's Jesus' point. He goes on to say this. Verse 20. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. This is the one who just kind of dabbles in Christianity in verse 21. Yet he has no root in himself, but it endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And what Jesus says is this. There is a possibility that you could hear the gospel and all of a sudden you like it. Maybe it's an emotional moment. Again, we use this illustration a lot. Maybe Anna Rose Bell hits the note just right and you're like, oh, that feels real Jesus-y. You know, in your hands, you know, like you get the spirit. I don't know what that was. I, I don't know what that was. I need some medicine for that, don't I, Britt? <clears throat> or uh, maybe Matt Toodle gets up here with his calming voice and speech. He's like, great, it's not Troy today. It's Matt's got that, he's got that, dude, it's awesome. I'd love to have his vocal cords. I have vocal cord envy of Matt Toodle. There you go, I confessed it. Um, and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that really Jesus-y. And you, you, maybe you get this emotional whim and, and you dive in you're like yes 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 and Jesus is saying be careful of that because you can buy into emotion and not buy into Jesus you can be enamored by a service and not be enamored by the cross you can be enamored by some big crowd clapping everybody's doing the wave in the service right Woo! but you're not enamored with redemption that's what he's saying be careful soul number two Number three, verse 22. And for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. In other words, listen, if you're hearing the gospel, you've got to remember this world is not our home. <laughs> it's not our home. This is not the best life to come. Best life is future, and, and our focus will be, if we receive the gospel, sometimes we'll get choked out by stocks, society, and I'm just going to go on and say it, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, sports. We'll get choked out by those things, and we'll find ourselves worshiping the fact 
of their influencers out there, which is even a thing now. You can get paid for being an influencer, right? How do you get that job? I guess you've got to be an influencer, which, anyway, okay. We get enamored by that. How do I become an influencer? And society gets us. And he says, that will choke the life out of you. We get enamored by sports. And I am not talking to you because I know you're not enamored by sports. I'm talking to me. I'm talking about the guy who will go and buy a $400 baseball bat at the drop of a hat and look at Julie Beth and go, glad you worked overtime this week. Right now, I get that. We're nuts. And we'll get choked out by that stuff, and that will become our object of worship. We get choked out by society. We get choked out by sports, and it will choke the living life out of us. And then Jesus' clear point is this. It'll fall on somebody's lap, and they get choked out by money. And they'll spend their life working that, four, I don't even have one, so 401k? What is it called? Lance, help me out. 401k, thank you. Uh, I, I'll get that, then my 401k, I'll watch the stocks, I'll manipulate money this way, and you live for that. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 that will choke the life out of you because all those three things will cause you to forget the blessedness that Jesus opened your eyes unto salvation, not opened your eyes unto stocks, sports, and society. He says, be careful. And then he wraps it up with this one, verse 23. And for what was sown on good soil... This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. Meaning this, true faith will bear true fruit. True faith will bear true fruit. There's no such thing scripturally as a gospel leech, is what Jesus is saying. That, that doesn't exist. There's... Nobody in Scripture who's truly of the redeemed who can just kind of suck the life out of the gospel for themselves and not pass it on. There's no such thing as a gospel leech. So it's a call for us to really consider what soul we find ourselves in. And all of that is exactly what he had just said in chapter 12, but now in chapter 13 he says it as a parable. Grow deep this year, guys. Grow deep. At Safe Haven, we offer plenty of ways for you to actively grow your roots deep. Plug in. If you're not a part of a gospel-proclaiming church, you notice today that we just, we just went through the Scriptures. At Safe Haven, that's what we do. We just let the Scriptures speak to us, right? We want to hear what God has to say. This grows you deep. Dive in. So if you're not a part of a gospel-proclaiming, Bible-teaching church, you are welcome here at Safe Haven. Number two, we got community groups. Tyler talked about them a minute ago. And I'll be the first one to admit, community groups are the hardest thing for us to pull off in our family. So right now, some of you are smiling going, me too. Right? They're hard. All kind of stuff goes on during, during life. I get it. But it is a true statement. The heartbeat and pulse of our church happens in smaller groups. Whether it's a DNA group, a community group, you life on life with somebody, you got to have that because it helps grow those roots deep. Why? So that when sports, society, and I can't remember what the other S was, when they start trying to rob you and trying to rip you out of the ground, there's somebody to say, hey, 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 let's hop back in. That was a thought this week that I had, man. 
I'm the first, I'm the first prone to wander. That song is my life song. You've heard me say it before. I'm just waiting one day for somebody to give me money to tattoo that thing right on my leg or arm or something. I don't know. Prone to wander? Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love? I feel that. And I need you to push me when you see me straying. We need each other. Grow deep. Sundays, community groups, Bible studies, online sermons. If I, You say, I can't be part of a community group. Man, I can give you all kind of people to go listen to that I listen to weekly that push me in the gospel. DNA groups and wage war over your sin. I'm even thinking about starting a Sunday night deal. I, okay, we'll get to that later. Plug in. Grow this year. And as the band comes up, I want to wrap it up with the one thing that I see in common in this parable. The one petal on the flower, maybe, that I want to kind of zoom in on. Um, And the one thing that I've never seen before in this passage that I think the Lord is challenging me as an individual, and I also think challenging our church in this year. That one thing is this. The one common denominator was how the whole parable and section began. All of that deep theological meat began with this little phrase. A sower went out to sow. A sower not just a receiver of the gospel, went out intentionally. He put it on his to-do list, 2020. He had a strategic purpose and strategy to sow. He went out to share the gospel of grace with whoever came up to him next. I think that's what the Lord's saying to us this year. Will we be a church who not just comes and sits down and enjoys hearing about the gospel of grace that redeems us from sin. Because we, as a church, can be grace junkies, can't we? I think our church really gets that. I think I I would put our church up against any other church, as small as we are, I would put our, our church up against any other church to proclaim the gospel of grace and not works. That's a blessing that we, God has put on our church. But then I wonder sometimes, man, are we serious about being sowers who go out to sow? I think that's where he's talking to me this year. And I think that's where he's going to lead our church. And right now, some of you are going, oh, but I'm not, I'm not equipped. I'm not good enough to go out and share the gospel, that kind of stuff. Well, I'm going to say a couple of things to you according to this passage. Number one, if you're a believer, you're equipped. If you know enough to be saved, you know enough to share the gospel. Just repeat the glories of the Lord. We're great sinners in need of a substitute Savior. Christ is that Savior. Number two, your life is not random chance. God has you walking around on purpose and meeting the people that you're meeting for far more purpose than for you to just buy wood at Lowe's. That happened to me this week as I was thinking through this. 
And this is heightened in my mind, so I, please don't hear this as I get this right all the time or model me. That's not my point in saying this. It's not a look at me. It's not, that's, that's not it. I fail more than I get it right. But this week, as I'm in Lowe's, this guy begins to talk about his wife and some issues that they're having. And I was like, whoa, what a... <laughs> whoa, back the bus up, man. I'm just here for some wooden paint. And as I'm thinking that, all of a sudden, the Lord says, no, 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 I have you here for a greater purpose than paint and wood. Again, it was a heightened moment, and I was able to walk into the gospel with this man. You're going to have those things happen to you the moment you leave this place, and I will too. Will we be sowers who go out to sow is the big question. I think that's what God's calling us to. And so today... Look in your seat. There's a little card there. There's also a pen there. What if at Safe Haven, you individually committed to having 20 gospel conversations in 2020? With kids involved and here, we have, on average, 300 to 350 people. If everybody shared the gospel 20 times, 4,000 to 6,000 times the gospel would be shared in Northport this year. How awesome would that be? Will we be sowers who got to sow? I think that's the challenge. I carry these around in my backpack everywhere I go. These are the cards you gave me last year to pray for you. And we're going to do that again. So on that card... I want to pray for you this year. Please, as the band begins to play, just take some time to jot down, how can I pray for you? Um, and then, if you will, at some point, whether when we take communion or afterwards, you can just place it right there. Um, you can put your name or don't put your name. Some people put their names and some people didn't put their names. Um, it doesn't matter. I just want to pray for you all year long. That's number one. How can I pray for you? And then number two, if the Lord puts somebody on your mind to go share the gospel with, I want you to put their name down on here. It could be a first name, a last name. It could be a nickname. You could put Bubba Joe down. I don't know why Bubba Joe. Whatever you want to put down. And I want to pray for that person as well. I believe. Believe this. And I'll shut up. I believe if we're obedient in being sowers who sow, God is going to let us see him bring the kingdom in more people's lives than we have ever seen as a church family. If we'll just commit to being obedient. The word of God for the people of God. Would you stand? In just a moment... The tables are going to be open. If you're a believer and you're here today, the communion table is open for you to come and to worship and remember the fact that Jesus opened your eyes unto salvation. So come and receive freely. If you're a believer, this is open to you. There's tables in the front. There's tables in the back. And if you're not a believer, <laughs> I would miss a grand opportunity to share with you the fact that there is fertile soul found in the gospel. Here's the gospel. We're great sinners. 
We sin by nature and then also just by choice. And that sin creates a separation from the holiness of God. We're, we're cast away from God. We couldn't get back to him. There was no way, no hope, and Jesus steps out of eternity. And he says, I will live the perfect life of holiness that's required. And I will also receive the condemnation that they all deserve. I'll receive it, and he did so on the cross. Jesus was then placed in a grave after he was crucified. And if Jesus is just dead, then we still have no hope because the penalty of sin was death. But on the third day, the glorious story and reality is that Jesus burst forth from the grave. He rose again, which is not just a cool miracle, but it's God saying, I approve of this work. And then Jesus said, all who trust in me shall find salvation. And trusting in him is simple as this. It's repenting of your sin and believing that he alone can accomplish salvation for you. It's sin, it's substitution, and it's Savior. It's committing to him as Lord. No longer I live, but now I live through you and for you. That's the gospel. That's the hope. That's the message. Everything else is shallow. Everything else is rocky. Everything else is thorny. And we grow deep. We grow deep in amazement and enamorment. I grow deep in amazement that he would save me. Me. Like I look in the mirror and I'm like, you messed up. <laughs> Why would you save this guy? I know me. So if you're going, yeah, but you don't know me, Troy. I don't know you, but I know me. He'll save me. He'll save you today if you'll call on him. Repent, believe, trust, confess. That's the gospel. The seed's been cast. Lord, cause growth. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. May we be amazed more today than ever before if we're believers that you would reach down and touch our hearts of stone and make them hearts of flesh. May we be stunned. And God, if there's one in here today who is not trusting, is not believing, God, would you open their eyes that today would be the day of salvation. God, that hard-heartedness that you would bust that heart up. God, it'd show the person's that your love is greater than their sin. God, would you redeem today? And finally, would you cause us of the redeemed Lord to go out and live on mission, to open up our homes, to open up our dinner tables, to open up our doors, to invite people in, not to hear a sales pitch, but to share in life and grace and forgiveness. All right. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.